On Thursday, October 20th, 2011, so just a few months ago, a little girl in China named Yu Yu was hit by a van in a hit-and-run accident in China. Somebody had video cameras rolling on it, and what happened next shocked a nation to its core. After she was hit by the van, she was ignored by at least 18 people who passed by. Some stepping out of their way to avoid her. This went on for a few minutes, and eventually she was struck by another van. Finally, a 58-year-old female trash collector picked her up and helped her to get somewhere. But unfortunately, it was too late. She was declared brain dead as she arrived at the local hospital and declared dead early the next morning. In an interview, one of the passerbys, a middle-aged man, said with an uncomfortable smile on his face, it wasn't my child, why should I have bothered? Now, most of us would say, well, if we saw somebody like that, we would do all we could to stop and help. And my guess is we're probably right. But I want to talk today about somebody that Jesus stopped to help that other people were refusing to stop to help. And ask us the question, not if we saw somebody get a hit in a physical need, but are we willing to stop when people have real spiritual or emotional needs? Are we willing to go out of our way to help people that are in need? Let's look at this story from Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. And I'm reading out of the English Standard Version tonight, so maybe a little different than what you have. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, which just means the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, I love that, when the blind beggar heard, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. When we ask the question about would we stop to help somebody in need spiritually, emotionally, the truth is we don't have to ask the question would Jesus stop because we know the answer, right? He would and he did. And a poor blind beggar here named Martimaeus says so. And in the process, he shows us what it means to serve. To serve those who cannot do one thing in return for you loving them enough to stop and help. A couple of things to notice here. First of all, people all around us are hurting and need our love. There are people everywhere hurting. Now where is Jesus going to here? arriving at or going from? Where is he? What's the city? 
Jericho. What do you know about Jericho? Walls came tumbling down. Anything else? What's that? It's a popular resort city. It's below sea level. Look at our travel guides helping us out there. Glad those aren't written in your Bibles, right? Anybody else we know around Jericho? Maybe a little guy that decided he'd climb up in a sycamore tree and check out what was going on. Here's the interesting thing about Jericho. It's a town about 18 miles northeast of Jerusalem, 5 miles west of the Jordan River, and 740 feet below sea level. That's low. Archaeologists say it may be the oldest continuously occupied city in the world. Refurbished by the Herodians, there were now two Jerichos in Jesus' day. The ancient city and the new Herodian location. It was an oasis known as the City of Roses. It was the home of the wee little man named Zacchaeus and had been the home of a great-great-grandmother of Jesus named Rahab. Now, when you compare this story in Mark with the one that it has parallel accounts in Matthew and Luke, you'll notice a couple of differences, and we're going to explain those here. Specifically, Matthew mentions two blind men, where Mark and Luke mention just Bartimaeus, just one. Mark alone is the one that tells us his name. Secondly, Matthew and Mark say the miracle occurred as Jesus was leaving Jericho, while Luke says it happened as he drew near to Jericho. Now, there are explanations for both of those things. First of all, the ancient city of Old Testament fame of Jericho is probably not where we're talking about, but it's the new Jericho that was only 1.6 kilometers away. That's not very far. So you would have had the old city and the new city. So to two of the writers it may have been that Jesus was leaving the old and coming towards the new. It's just perspective change. All right? Also, just because Mark doesn't mention the second blind man doesn't mean there was a second one. He's just focusing the story on this one. It's kind of like um, I, uh, I, I'm, you know, you, y'all know I'm a big baseball fan, and last night um, a guy hit four home runs in a game. Josh Hamilton, uh, a guy that's been very public with his faith and his struggles, a guy that I enjoy following his baseball career. He's just very talented. But if you watch the highlights of the game, you would have thought the only plays in the game were him hitting home runs. But there were 27 outs on both sides, 54 outs, multiple other hits, guys were on base. It's just that the highlights focused on the one guy. Well, that's what's happening here in Mark. There probably were two beggars, but Mark's going to focus on Bartimaeus. So Jesus makes a visit to Jericho, the last major city on the edge of the Judean wilderness on the way to Jerusalem. He would soon make a 3,500-foot climb from Jericho to Jerusalem in his last march to the city. One of the things we see in Jesus' ministry and that we see here, something that we have to be aware of in our own lives, is that crowds can be very insensitive. People get into what we call a mob mentality or herd behavior. There's been some that have been called crazy crowds. The tendency of animals and even people to act together in unison, sometimes for people in morally reprehensible and unimaginable ways. I remember um, 
when I was growing up, I was in high school, and it was just past, this past weekend, one of the big events in West Tennessee is something they call Memphis in May, and they do big barbecue contests, and they do big, down on the river, they have concerts over a weekend, and when I was in high school, we decided we were going down on a Friday night to go to a concert, and we, 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 uh, we excused ourselves from school a little early on Friday. That's the politically correct to say. We skipped our last two classes. And we drove down to Memphis, and we got there early, so we were near the front. And I remember that we, we were near some food, so we just kind of stayed in the same area. And we were there about four or five hours. And as the last band got up to play, I remember looking around and realizing if I wanted to get out of this place, I couldn't. And the music started playing, and suddenly everybody around us started, back in our day, they called it moshing. They were just bumping into each other, moving around. And before long, it's a sea of people that is uncontrollable and you can't get out. And they don't care about anybody else because it's this mob mentality going on. Well, here's what's happening in Jesus' day. It's, that's, it's not that extreme, but everybody's just kind of, they're so focused on Jesus and getting where they need to go, they're not focusing on other things. A poor blind beggar named Bartimaeus suffered from a mob mentality during the days of Jesus. Bartimaeus literally is a son of Timaeus, or a son of honor. Yet he was the recipient of anything but honor and respect by the crowd. He was marginalized. It tells us he was a blind beggar, ignored and no longer noticed by most. They don't even see him or hear him. That he sits by the road day after day, begging for something just to survive. Hearing, and I love this, the one that couldn't see is the only one that truly sees who Jesus is. He begins to shout, Jesus, Son of David. That's important because Son of David means that he recognized Jesus as the Messiah right now. He's calling out to him. And look what the mob does in verse 48. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Somebody has paraphrased that. Basically the crowd said, quit talking, quit being a nuisance, you're embarrassing us, sit there and be quiet, you're not important, don't worry about it, Jesus is here for us, He doesn't care about you. Makes you wonder if perhaps, this is the first time anybody noticed Him, but it wasn't in a way that was flattering. Amidst the cacophony of the crowd, one voice is isolated. No doubt the crowd noise was loud and boisterous, and yet Mark tells us it is the single voice of a solitary person who gains the attention of Jesus. Twice he calls him Son of David, a messianic title that looks back to God's promise to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where he says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom." He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Your throne shall be established forever. Now Solomon was the immediate fulfillment of that prophecy and the partial fulfillment. But Jesus is the final and completing fulfillment. Twice he says to Jesus, have mercy on me. He acknowledges his helplessness. He acknowledges his hopelessness. He cannot give himself sight. He cannot make himself wealthy. He can't do anything. 
He alone is completely dependent upon Him. And He boldly and publicly declares He will stake His dependency on Christ and Christ alone, the Son of David. Here's what I love. Jesus was never so enamored or distracted by the crowds that He didn't take care of individuals. Sometimes it's easy to get so overwhelmed with the needs of the many that we forget the needs of the one. Perhaps what sometimes we need to do is to not get paralyzed by the billions out there, but to pray for one, to evangelize one, to feed one, to clothe one, to disciple one, to adopt one, to love one. One. And as we do that, to see God work in the midst of it. Jesus teaches us here that we should never be so distracted that we cannot stop and help. I remember a uh, professor in um, at Union. We were talking about a passage, I think it may have been this passage of Scripture, or it may have been, it was either this passage of Scripture or the passage of Scripture where the, the lady touches the hem of the garment of Jesus and Jesus stops and turns around. It was one of those passages. And uh, he said, he asked the class one day, he said, how many of you have stopped in the last couple of days to, to help somebody? Anybody? Nobody much raised their hand. And he said, well, why not? Why, why do you think you hadn't stopped to help? And a couple people said, well, I've been busy. You, you know, I mean, I've got a test tomorrow, and I've had to study my Greek words, and I had this, you know, and he said, I just remember him saying, well, let's look at this passage. Let, let me ask you a question. What do you have on your agenda today that is more important than going to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world? Well, you don't have anything on your agenda over the next six years that's that important, right? And his point was, if Jesus on the most important journey in the history of the world can stop for a guy that everybody else has thrown away, then maybe we need to reevaluate what we're too busy to do. It says in verse 49, he stopped. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. He is on the way to die. Verse 32 tells us He was walking ahead of them, leading the way. He is determined to fulfill His destiny. It, it, Luke tells us that He has set His eyes on Jerusalem. He has fixed His gaze on the end game. That what He and the Father had been planning for generations, He has focused His attention on doing. His mind is racing. His heart would have been overflowing with sorrow for what's awaits. We can understand if He said, I don't have time for this right now. He had more important things to do. He had more important things on his mind. He's about to give his life for the sins of the world, but verse 49 says he stopped. He hears the cries of the hurting. Jesus, hearing with a sensitive ear the cries of a man who is hurting, the crowd wants to prevent the man from coming to Jesus, much like the disciples wanted to prevent children from coming. And as the twelve rebuke those bringing the little children, the crowd rebukes Bartimaeus. Still Jesus hears it. He stops, and that's not all he does. He says, call him. Tell him to come. So he hears the cry of the hurting, but then Jesus also listens to the cry of the hurting. It's one thing to hear, it's another thing to listen. Some of us are good at neither, some of us are good at hearing but not listening. Our Lord Jesus is great at both. 
Bartimaeus immediately did two things. He threw off his cloak, a precious possession, and he sprang up and came to Jesus. He immediately obeyed what Christ called him to do. And then Jesus asked him that simple, straightforward question, what do you want from me? And I love how the Bible here, you know, if we're in Sunday school or we were trying to come through Bible study, a lot of us would try to come up with a complicated answer of what we wanted from Jesus. It's kind of like the the uh, asking um, a, a beauty pageant contestant in the interview portion, what do you really want to see? And what they really want to see is their name in lights and the crown on their heads. But what do they say? I want to see world peace. I love that Bartimaeus doesn't do the world peace, does he? What does he say? I want to see. I can't. Jesus, I'm blind. I want to see. James Edwards said this. The sons of thunder. You remember the sons of thunder, James and John? Ask for extraordinary glory. Bartimaeus asked only for ordinary health. I just want to be normal, Jesus. Jesus heard his cry just like he hears ours. Jesus listened to his request just like he listens to ours. Several verses in the Psalms immediately come to mind. Psalm 17, 6, I call upon you, you answer, incline your ear to me. Psalm 54, 2, O God, hear my prayer, give the ear to the words of my mouth. Psalm 71, 2, in your righteousness deliver me and rescue me, incline your ear to me and save me. Jesus stopped and helped. Here's the last thing. Never be surprised at how the most undesirable respond to grace. There is healing grace that saves. Jesus simply and quickly responds to the cry for grace and mercy from the bond beggar. says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith. Grace is the divine hand that extends the healing. Faith is the human hand that reaches out and receives it. Notice the object of our faith is crucial. Keep the faith. Just have faith are nonsensical statements. Because you can't just keep any kind of faith. You have to be faith in Jesus. You have to keep your faith in Him. Bartimaeus directed his faith to the only one who could heal. You know what's interesting? Because it says your faith has made you well, right? The ESV version of that says, your faith has made you well. The word there for well is the same word that means your faith has saved you. It's the exact same word. I think the word has both a physical and spiritual dimension. His faith has made him well and that he can see, but he's also been healed spiritually. Immediately he recovered his sight. Instantaneously he is healed. No surgery, no medical treatment. And he followed him on the way, is what it says. Bartimaeus is now a disciple, a follower of King Jesus, who is about to make the triumphant entry into the city. Anybody know where the triumphant entry in the city happens in the book of Mark? Anybody know? You got your Bibles open? It's the next verse. Think about this. Blind Bartimaeus goes from the beggar nobody wants to be to a part of the procession of Jesus into Jerusalem. Where he goes, Bartimaeus will go. What he asks, Bartimaeus will do. 
Gospel gratitude will inspire us to follow at any and all costs the one who has so freely dispensed his grace. I see I've been saved. I will joyfully follow King Jesus wherever he goes. John Grasmick says, Bartimaeus pictured discipleship clearly. He recognized his, ability, his inability, trusted Jesus as the one to give him God's gracious mercy, and when he could see clearly, he began to follow Jesus. Some early church traditions say Bartimaeus would follow Jesus throughout the entire week and even to his passion and later become a leader of the church in Jerusalem. This is the last healing miracle in the Gospel of Mark. It, it teaches us the art of stopping, of divine interruptions. It brings to close our Lord's great teaching on discipleship. Interestingly, it began a few chapters earlier with the healing of a blind man in chapter 8, and it closes with that. Bartimaeus is the only person who was healed that we know his name, but we all, like Bartimaeus, are blind until Jesus gives us sight. Not physically, but spiritually. We're poor beggars until He saves us. We're brought to Him nothing but our weaknesses and He graced us with His power and blessing. <coughs> Praise God, Jesus stopped and had time for Bartimaeus 2,000 years ago. Praise God that Jesus has time for you and me 2,000 years later. Jesus still stops for anyone that calls in His name. And like poor blind Bartimaeus, they are not disappointed in what He does. There is hope for the blind when we look to Jesus. My question for you this week is, when's the last time you stopped to help someone in desperate need?